You're listening to the Elevate Podcast, the official podcast of the Coastal LA Singles Ministry, where our focus is reaching up, reaching in, and reaching out. So I'm Natalie Doe. I will be facilitating 99% of the class, and I have my lovely assistant. (laughs) So I'm not preaching. I'm sharing, empowering, and simply transferring knowledge. We're going to have fun tonight. It's not going to be boring, I promise. And pay attention to this. There will be cash prizes in the end. Yes, I did say that. Cash prizes in the end. So, um, if you want to move up, you can move up. So, it's easier for me and easier for you. Let's get nice and cozy. Um, I cut dad's hair. That's one way. Oh, I didn't include that. That's another way to save money. I cut dad's hair. I cut uh, Jet's hair. When he was in grad school, um, and he said, oh, oh Jet's waving his hands. Like, look at my hands on the hair. Mommy cut my hair. Um, when Dad was in grad school, I was working um, as a banker at Bank of America, and we were, you know, pretty tight financially. And he said, "Honey, I don't want to go out. It's so expensive. Can you just learn how to cut my hair?" I said, "Sure, I can learn. <laughs> if it doesn't look good, it's on you." <laughs> but I had, you know, two years of practice when he was in school, and and now it looks so perfect. So anyway. You all know Warren Buffett, right? You know who he is. Let me start by asking you. Now, no judgments here. If you want to have fun tonight, raise your hands or just shout out the answer. And we're not going to judge, you know, no stupid answers, okay? Is it good to imitate his investment portfolio? Whoa, why? Correct. That's true. However, at the end of this session, I hope you will all have the conviction that there's no need to imitate his portfolio because we're not him. We cannot take the risk that he can afford to take. We do not have the access of the investment that he has. When a company goes IPO, we don't even know it went IPO. By the time that we hear that there is a good investment, it's already gone up by so much that it becomes very expensive to buy. It is pretty disgusting. Rich people have access to investments that we have no access. So is he successful? Yes. But investment is so much more than just imitating someone's portfolio because your personal situation is so different, right? All right. Disclosure. We are just normal people. We are not here to sell anything. I have nothing to sell to you. I'm not advertising anything. I don't want any of you to sign up for anything. Absolutely nothing. And um, the way that I'm viewing this is we we are holding ourselves to a fiduciary standard. It means that we will only advise what's best for you. It has nothing to do with our personal gains. 
So no conflict, no selling. We're just good Christians trying to share knowledge. Hope you know that. Okay, the objectives for tonight is to share knowledge, empower you with convictions, and also very, very practical tools and resources. In your handout, you all have a a folder. So there are tons of resources in there, and I want to specifically mention that the resources do not contain specific companies' names, or at least I try to avoid that, or products, so that it's truly, truly objective and conflict-free. Now, why is it, why is it not the best idea um, to learn investment advice from a specific company that is trying to sell you something? They have their angle. They're trying to sell you something. Yeah. They try to make this like, oh, go to the education center, go to this tab. But all this pop-up thing and saying, you know, um, do you have a plan for your children? Do you have a 529? You know, you need to have a 529 if you have children. And all these just trying to sell you something, right? So um, on the resources, one of them is a list of resources. The best is Foundation for Financial Planning. It's a nonprofit. All the resources are just templates and worksheets, and they're not really selling anything. That's my favorite site to go to. All right. <clears throat> Who likes cooking? All right, and eating. So um, best meals are with secret sauce, right? So um, I've been working in the personal finance area for 10 plus years, and I've always been pretty good with personal finances, but really worked in the field for the past 10 years. And I did, I don't know how many Bible studies on personal finance, um, you do not have to take pictures of this. At the end of your, in the end of your folder has an outline of all the pertinent PowerPoint notes. So, and, um, and, and the first is the first page of your notes as well that includes some scriptures. So that's pretty much like I felt like I was King Solomon, you know, like in the end it's these three things. <laughs> So um, I have a a few stories to share with you. The first one is danger of coveting. Oh, by the way, what's the secret sauce? Can someone just read that out loud for me? That's right. Okay. All right. The lifestyle that you covet does not exist. Let me just tell you, it does not exist. So I work in the middle of Beverly Hills probably the richest area in L.A. and probably in the world. Now, what else do we have in Beverly Hills? A lot of pretty on the outside, but Botox, a lot of empty on the inside, right? Huh? Right, right, right. So I happen to have quite a few connections and I know their financial situations very, very well. And if you see them on TV, you go, oh, my gosh, look at her. Look at him. 
they look like they can do anything they want. They can just hop on their private jet. They can just drive their Lamborghini, Maserati, not even BMWs, you know. They drive, you know, concept cars. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and it's insane. They look so pretty, so handsome, perfect, and everything. And guess what? They can't even balance their checkbooks. They can't even pay off their debts. They are way out there, way over leveraged, and they're in debt left and right. Okay? And I'm sure it's not a shock to you, right? <laughs> All right, danger of greed, the next one. The rich person you envy does not exist either. So through the course of my career, and I know that Dad knows a lot of rich people too. Um, we all do, right? Or at least on TV. There's no overnight success. Seriously. I have not worked with um, a person or family who have significant riches that did it overnight. It just didn't happen. It literally takes blood, sweat, and tears. And it's a lot of struggles to acquire wealth and to maintain wealth and to grow their wealth. It's not easy. Okay, the next one is danger of not being knowledgeable or what? Being stupid. So, hmm, why do some smart people make stupid decisions sometimes about their money? Why? Is it a technical term, bamboozle? <laughs> huh? They live in a fantasy world, yeah? Impulse, yeah. How about the second one? Greed. Greed makes smart people do stupid things, right? So, you know, if you're not knowledgeable or you're stupid uh, because of whatever it is, right? You might find yourself trapped in a bad insurance policy, bad investment, big surprise from the IRS, or, you know, medical bills that you can't afford. So just beware of those. The second thing, let's move on to the next three. So the first three dangers, so this is my conclusion. <laughs> if I drop. Um, power of discipline, just like the scriptures that Marco was quoting, right? Just little bit by little bit. Have you guys ever um, heard some of your friends that are immigrants? They save a little bit. Like my sister, she bought her house in cash. She saved a little bit by a little bit. She never had like super high paying jobs, but just a little bit by a little bit for a long time. It's, it's actually worth of imitation, right? Time value of money. Power of wisdom, avoid all extremes, think before you act, make wise decisions. Can someone give me an example of an extreme of investment? Anything extreme? Come on. Buying on margins. Buying on margins is not extremes if you do it right, but if it's extreme when you... When you, exactly, when you don't have it, buying on, uh, 
Investing on margins meaning you're borrowing from your own portfolio to buy more. That's what it means. Yeah. Right, 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 right. There's a whole study on behavioral finance on that. All right, power of spiritual perspectives, right? Okay, remember, the, uh, can anyone tell me who shared this at a West Side service? Definition of wealth, food, clothes, shelter, family, friends, and respect in our community, a good and balanced life. That's true riches. Who said that? Douglas Jacoby. That's right. Good stuff, huh? All right. One of the core foundation of managing, saving, investing is having emergency funds. Do rainy days come? Yes. Sometimes they turn into tornadoes and storms and all that, right? So usually, you know, three to six months expenses and Keep it in cash or cash equivalents is great. Now, when do you need more? When do you need less? Depends on the stability of your income, amount of your stable income, and potential for financial emergencies. So I have a story to tell. One of my friends is a TV executive. He makes $1.5 million a year. He just lost his job. He's the only income provider for the family. He has two young kids. They both go to private school. So how many months of emergency fund should he have? Come on. 4.5, okay. <laughs> the more or, or more or less? More. Why? Yeah. Yep, the more you make, the more expenses you have, right? Plus, how is he going to find another job that pays $1.5 It's going to take time. That's right. Very good. All right. So what can you use for emergency fund? So appropriate is cash or cash equivalents. Inappropriate is illiquid assets. Should... Is it okay to use your house equity as emergency fund? Why? Okay, someone shouted out like like loud. Who said that? Is equity in your house stable? Okay, right. So when you need the cash, can you just like squeeze a hundred dollars out of your pipes? <laughs> No, you can't, right? The only way, what's the way, what, what's the method to take money out of your house? You sell it or refi. Ca refi with cash out, that is, right? So it's not appropriate. Um, credit cards. I don't have to have emergency funds. I have six credit cards. Why is it bad? Right. What if you use, what if you have to use a credit card for your emergencies? Let's say your emergency is a surgery. I had a surgery last year, super expensive, even though you have health insurance. 
Um, so let's say my surgery out of pocket is 12000 and I use my credit cards because I don't have emergency fund. What will happen to that 12000 Yeah, it's going to go to 24000 pretty soon, especially if you don't pay for it, right? Okay, so um, anything that creates debt or liability is not good for emergency fund. All right. Are all debts bad? No, no. no, obviously. There's some good ones. There's some bad ones, right? So good debts usually build equity, such as student loans, mortgages, home equity line of credit, home construction loans, business-related loans. Bad debts. What are some bad debts? Credit cards, personal loans, private loans, gambling loans. Yeah. Um, why, why is auto loan considered on the good side and not the bad side? Hmm? Louder, please. Okay, yeah, debt can help build your credit, but, um, yeah, it's kind of like a necessity, right? So... It doesn't, the, the car itself doesn't build equity unless you own one of those, you know, classic cars that, that increases value, but very few of them do that. Um, but having a car will help you get around to work and all that and build equity that way. All right. Do we know how much debt we should have comparing to our income? So this is some rule of thumb. Consumer debt. 20% or less of your net monthly income, housing costs, 28% or less of your gross monthly income. If we, as Americans, were following these guidelines, would we have the 2008 crash? Probably not. Probably not. But, you know, we, one thing to remember is um, we are very, very quick to forget those tough times. We're very, very easy to fall into bad habits again as a government and as people. So we have to not rely on our governments to help us, <laughs> to remind us, but we need to remind ourselves that rainy days do come and stick, stick to these guidelines will help. Okay, so how about how much should you spend on cars? Hmm. We live in the parts of the world that are very image-driven, right? We like to look good. We like to drive nice cars. We like to go out for nice dinners. We like to think we're somebody, right? So what do you think? What percentage or less of your net monthly income should be spent on cars? Come on, shout some numbers. Ooh, who's at 6%? Woohoo! You are right. Yes. You are correct. Now, you know what's interesting is um, I remember that it should be 6%, but then I wanted to confirm what I'm thinking, so I Googled it, and guess what the car companies say? The car companies say 20%. They want you to spend. Bad, huh? Evil. Just flat-out evil. <laughs> 
Okay, so for example, if you make sixty thousand gross, and let's just say your take home is forty-five, your monthly is thirty-seven fifty. Six percent is so you can afford two twenty-five a month. How about BMW 5 Series? All fully loaded. It's about three ninety-nine per month. If you do the math, you will have to make a little over a hundred thousand to afford that car. All right, one day, yeah. <laughs> All right, credit score. Credit is so important.、Um, I think there are other classes that cover that, so I won't go into detail. Why is good credit so important? Qualify for loans, better terms, better rates.、Um, all these are are good, right? Now, your credit score is a reflection of your what? Character. Very good. Wow, this side is scoring. Come on. All right. Now I have a tricky question. Okay, tricky. You have been dating your boyfriend or girlfriend for two years. You're thinking about getting married. You sit down with Dad and Natalie, and then they ask a bunch of questions that makes you feel really uncomfortable because they care about you. And then you find out one of the boyfriends or girlfriends. Have over one hundred thousand dollars of debt and a credit score of not even on the charts. Yeah, five hundred. I don't even know what the lowest number is. Is it wrong to not want to pursue the relationship? Dad said, "I thought love was financially blind." When I met Dad, guess how much money he had? Twenty-five cents. We were in Tokyo.、Uh, I was working in、um, marketing, and Dad was working as a corporate banker in Vietnam for Credit Lyonnais. I found out, and and because we were getting, we were sitting down, you know,、uh, doing our premarital counseling and all that, and and some the elder's wife asked, you know, what's your finance? You know, you should talk about your finances, plan your wedding, and all that. And then how much do you, so how much do you have, Natalie? Well, I have this much or whatever. And how much do you have, Dad? He said five hundred dollars. So this is Tokyo, Japan, okay, one of the most expensive places on earth. I said, not in your pocket. Not in your wallet," he said. "No, I have five hundred dollars." I was like,、oh. "I almost fainted." I was like, "For real?" And I was so concerned of his character. I was so concerned of our future. I was just concerned. I all of a sudden I became a different person, and he became a different person. But then when I found out why he only had five hundred dollars. I thought he was a different person, and I became a different person. He gave most of his money away to his parents and to the church to support the mission field. He lived on the minimum that he needed to live. But I told him, after we get married, you're not going to give that much for contribution. <laughs> 
So you want to find out why your boyfriend or girlfriend has over $100,000 of debt and why the credit score is so low. The answer is likely to be not favorable to that person. It's okay. That's why we have these conversations, we have engagement, we have premarital counseling. If, you, if the love is so much, if you're so gracious and you're willing and able to work with that person to go through this together, more power to you. <laughs> I would really struggle. <laughs> but like I said, it's not wrong. You just have, you just have to know what you're, you're getting into. There's so many marriage bums about finances. And I wish we could rewind to when they were dating. I wish we could rewind to when they were getting married so we can set a strong foundation. It's really, really important. So please learn early and not, you know, get in trouble later. All right. Saving tips. Um, so Marco made a comment about dad's hair. So it wasn't on the slide, but yeah, right, a compliment. So cutting your own hair can save. What's, what's the uh, cost for getting a haircut? Let's say 20. Dad does hair. Okay, dad is the math genius in the family. What is 20 plus um, 26? 46. Wow. <laughs> $460. $460, right? No, not pot. Jack can do that. 20 plus 26. 52, right? $520 and 1040 if you if you do it for both both jet and dad. So we save about a little over 1000 a year. Just me learning how to cut hair. And it's a bonding time too. We love it. Right, Jet? Yeah, uh-huh. All right, saving tips. You know, have have a roommate. Have a roommate um, live with your parent if they let you. If they let you. Um, mortgage, if you have a mortgage, refi, if possible. Um, there are a lot of things you can do, right? Be creative. The last point. When you go on dates, again, we live in a world that we, I mean, look at the Facebook postings. You know, oh, we hung out at, like, what, one thing that I don't get is sometimes I see a lot of Facebook postings, people going to um, Mastro's Steakhouse. Do you know how expensive that place is? Mastro's Steakhouse in Beverly Hills. I have, I have uh, did I say it wrong? I say it right? It, that place is so expensive. I have not been there. But I see, honestly, I see people who post on, that, on, on Facebook who go there. I just wonder, like, how can they afford it? It's so expensive. But you know what? We, we live in a, a part of town that we like to do that, right? Yeah, let's go out, let's go here, let's go there, and all that. So let's be creative. We, we have the beautiful ocean. We can just take a nice walk, you know, have a nice date and all that. Now, this is being recorded, so I'm going to say it really fast. <clears throat> take advantage of the married ministry. Go to their house. They can cook for you. You can get free dating, marriage advice, all in one. I'll only say it once. 
more saving tips. Have you heard of these factors? Latte factor. If you at 4.65 is a grande mocha at Starbucks. If you do that once a week, twice a week, three times a week. If you do it three times a week, it's $7.25 a year. If you like juice, which is another West LA thing, what's up with that? $20. Like sometimes I see my colleagues come back to the office every single day. Hi, Natalie. I'm like, what's that? Oh, it's my smoothie. What, what's in it? Oh, kale, lime juice, da, da, da. You know, how much is that? $8.50. I'm like, $8.50. Wow. And I know how much money they make, too. So it doesn't make sense. Okay. Gym factor. Do you have a membership of the gym, and how many times have you gone? How many times have you gone? Are you more muscular? What's your BMI, huh? I, tomorrow morning, I'm going to wake up at 5.30. So I've been going swimming in the morning. I'm trying to get healthier. And I go to a public swimming pool in Culver City. It's $1.50 each time. And I do 1,000 meters, great workout, $1.50. I'm proud of it. When I go to my business lunches and, oh, do you go to Spectrum? Do you, um, do you go to, I don't even know the names, huh? Equinox. The one in Equinox in Century City. Everybody else I work with that I, contact, that I have contact with go there, and they ask me, do you go there? And I go, oh, no, I go to um, this public pool in Culver City, and I swim every Wednesday morning or Thursday morning from 6 to 7.30. And they go, good for you. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. You pay, that's silly. You pay $200 a month, that's silly. All right. Forget about investing if you can't save. So now we're going to move on to the investing segment. Are we having fun? You thinking about the cash prices? Yes. Secret weapon. This is something that a lot of people overlook in their personal finance is employee benefits. How many of you are employed? Okay, so it applies to most of you, right? Now, employee benefits, of course, differ from employer to employer. Depends on who you have. It's typically the bigger company that you work for, you have more perks, right? Better benefits. But it can be different, too. All right, so you have all those health plans and, you know, all the good stuff, insurance, flexible spending account. You have to know your benefits and use it wisely. For example, when Jet was going to daycare and preschool, I used a flexible spending account, but it's use it or lose it. So you have to remember if you allocate 2500 that year, you have to use it, otherwise you're going to lose it. If you only use 500, you lose 2,000 of your own money. So know your plan. What else? Um, retirement plan, we'll talk about that in a second. Stock options plan. Non-qualified deferred compensation plan usually applies to senior managers and executives. But if you do have it, oh gosh, take advantage of it. How many of you have pension? 
I bow down to you. That's awesome. Take advantage of it because anyone who is 20 or younger, or maybe 30 or younger, would not even know what that is. Pension is leaving our economy. If you have pension, please take full advantage of it. All right, group discounts. Do you know that most companies out there, most, have a wireless discount plan for the employees? I get 15% off. Plus, I get $75, um, what's it called, stipend? Yeah, for my bill, so I expense it. Some of my colleagues don't do that. They say, oh, it takes too long to fill out the report and all that. I'm, I'm doing the report if I get $75, I don't care. Software, we just signed up for Microsoft, Microsoft home use program, like $9.99 for three. So check with the employer. Legal services, group legal, movie tickets, discount tickets. Amusement parks, you can get discounts. Just the bottom line is look at your HR package. Go to your HR site or call your HR department. They'll be happy to walk you through it to take full advantage of your benefits. And then um, I say de minimis fringe benefits like charitable contribution. When I worked at B of A, it was, um, I forgot, forgot what disaster it was. Um, the bank matched 100% of my contribution. So I remember we were like, oh, we gotta give. This is, this is serious stuff. We gave 500 and B of A matched 500. So instead of $500, we gave 1,000. Um, I'm trying to get um, more corporate, more big corporate companies to match for hope. That's one of my goals. That's one of my side jobs. All right. Take full advantage of your employer-sponsored retirement plan. This is another key area to focus on. All right. Why? Because your contributions and your growth are tax-deferred except Roth. Roth, your growth is tax-deferred as well, but the contribution isn't because it's a Roth. Do you know what that means? That means, uh-huh, that's right. You don't have to pay tax on it until you withdraw if you meet all the requirements. Uh, employer match, most employers match, and if they, if, you, if they don't match, it's still a great program, and if they do, take full advantage because it's like what? Free money. No cost maintenance. If you have your own brokerage account, you probably get a monthly maintenance fee. And typically, they have wide range of really good investment options, and they have built-in better service because of the, you are a corporate client under your employer. When's the last time you call your retirement plan custodian? If, let's say, um, Mercer is your custodian, when's the last time you call them? When's the last time you take advantage of that program? Most of these programs have customer service reps that are actually very knowledgeable. They will walk you through your allocations. They will answer the questions that you have. How many of you have your retirement accounts just sitting there and do nothing? You don't, like, do you know how much you have in there? Do you know how much you are deferring? 
Do you know what investment they're in? Do you know the year-to-date yield? They all have pretty good customized reports that you can run. If you don't know what you're doing, just give them a call. Set aside half hour or so. Just get to know your retirement plan. Okay. Um, some employer provides workshops and seminars. I did a seminar for NBC two years ago. Help their employees to allocate. I spent an hour with them. That's a perk. But you know what? How many, guess how many percent of the employees show up for that session? About 20. So 80% of them, were they too busy, didn't care? And they were younger too. So take advantage of your, your employer program. Okay, so how do you do that, Natalie? This is a little bit too, hard, too much for me. Um, for the finance savvy, allocate according to return expectation, risk tolerance, and time horizon, and manage regularly. For the not-so-finance savvy, what's the solution? What's the suggestion? Life cycle funds are target funds. Most companies provide that now. What does it mean? It means they allocate the investment according to your projected retirement age. So they rebalance it for you. So that would be a good choice. Back in 2008 and 2009, some of my friends who work in banking in the financial world lost everything they had in the retirement plan. Do you know why? Didn't pay attention. All in one. There are two of my colleagues in the previous bank. They lost their entire portfolio. One of them was $200,000 because the entire thing was in one stock. It was the stock of the bank that she was working for. Not only she was working for a bank that was failing, she didn't change her investment allocation. All her account balance was in that company stock. So she lost her job and she lost her $200,000. A banker. So don't, don't, don't let that happen to you, please. Because the next recession, the next crash, will come, right? It's a cycle. All right, investment asset classes, investments. Let's make it really simple. Stocks, equities, bonds, fixed income, um, cash, like money markets, real estate, and others. Let me ask you this. <clears throat> you know, especially in L.A., people are like, oh, I want to buy an investment property. You know, I want to own this. I want to own that. And I heard that if you want to, you know, have anything for your children, you must have investment property. What do you think about the risk of investing in real estate? Do you think it's a risk-free investment class? No. No. I saw many of my clients' portfolio. I saw their balance sheet in 2006, and then I saw them in 2009. It's like, Whoa, what happened? So real estate is no joke. It is not simple. And it's getting more complex because of our world. Um, in your handout, there's that really colorful tables. It lists, it, it has a listings of different asset class and their performance in the past 
20 years. This is fun stuff. If you look at the second page, it's an explanation of what that asset class is. So this is nothing more than you now have that knowledge. And I'll talk about that in a little bit, is that most financial advisors out there are not as knowledgeable as you think they are. So you knowing how all these asset classes have performed in the past 20 years will make you this much more knowledgeable than an average person. So at the beginning of the class, I said, I want to empower you, and this is one of the things to empower you, is provide you with resources. All right, so where do I begin? What? Begin with what? Emergency fund. We talked about that, right? The next thing is making sure that your money in the bank is fully insured by FDIC because several banks, I mean hundreds of them, fail per year, 2006, 2008, 2009. Actually, banks fail every year, but hundreds of, hundreds of them fail in 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012, even as of today. So you want to make sure it's FDIC insured, um, if you have questions, just go to fdic.gov. All right. Get rid of all bad debts. Okay, we talked about extremes earlier, right? What do you think about, <clears throat> let's get rid of all debts. Let's just have rice and beans. Let's just, let's just, you know, live in a studio apartment. So that's kind of extreme. Right? So, I mean, you also want to enjoy your life. So just get a plan. Get a plan to get out of debt. That's all. All right. Retirement plans in the right investment. We talked about that before, right? Take advantage of your 401K. Take a look. Gosh, if there's anything from this class, if after this class, you go back to your work, you call your employer-sponsored retirement plan custodian and have a good chat knowing where your allocations are, I think I did well. <laughs> That's one key element. And the use of IRAs. In your handout, there's a comparison chart of IRAs, traditional versus Roth. I get a ton of questions on those. That is a really, really good chart that highlights the difference. Now, the key importance of IRAs is know that every year the rule changes, the amount changes. The best place to really learn about IRAs is the IRS irs.gov, and then you click on the search, traditional, versus, uh, traditional IRS or Roth IRA, all the answers are there. I know we don't like the IRS, but their website is actually pretty good. They have a lot of really insightful information. All right, also take advantage of employer-sponsored retirement plans, contribute, defer sufficient amount. How often can you change your deferral? Can you change your um, 401k? Anytime you want. That's the beauty of it. Is there any penalty? No. You can change anytime you want. You're like, today I want 6%. Tomorrow I want 13%. <laughs> I mean, that's the, the custodian wouldn't be happy, but, but you can change anytime. All right. Investment basics. Have a blueprint. 
your blueprint will be very different than Warren Buffett's. Your liquidity needs is very different. What is liquidity needs? What does that mean? Right, it's how much do you need when and for what? So do you think that your situation is different than Warren Buffett's? Yeah. Because yeah. people like him, guess what? He probably has $5 million sitting around in money market funds for emergency. He can access that anytime. That's like a really, really small percentage of his, of his entire portfolio, right? Um, tax implications, maybe to you right now, it's not a huge thing, but as you acquire more wealth and more properties, more assets, it's going to be huge. Why do people sometimes hate living in California? Our state income tax is one of the highest, right? I think the highest tax brackets, federal and, ta and um, California combined, is 53%. So, or more, I think more. Depends on other sub-taxes you pay. All right, diversification. Don't put all eggs in one basket. Have you ever heard someone says, oh, my gosh, this is such a, you know, um, okay, I'm trying not to mention company's name. Company A is so hot right now. Oh, my gosh. Like, look at this. Everyone's talking about it. And it's really, really cheap right now. You should, like, spend everything in it. Have you ever heard people say something like that? What do you think? But it's so tempting because of what? Greed makes you do stupid things. Can make you do stupid things. Um, asset allocation, do you know what that means? It means how much is my portfolio in what asset class, right? How much in fixed income, how much in stocks and all that. Irrational and prudent, choose the right advisor. Okay, I have some bad news for you. <laughs> Practically, if you have less than $50,000 to invest, you will not be able to find anyone to talk to you. If anyone wants to talk to you that you have $50,000, you don't want to talk to them because they have no skills. If you have more than 100000 you are likely to find someone to talk to you. But all they know is blah, blah, blah. They might not know half of what somebody else knows, an average Joe out there. If you have more than 250000 to invest, you probably get a decent financial advisor. The really, really good financial advisors work with clients who are $1 million and above. So it is a sad reality. That's why the mayor and I had a conversation about empowering our residents, empowering people that we need to have knowledge. We need to have a lot of personal financial knowledge to help ourselves because people like us in that range, that if we, if we don't have you know, hundreds of thousands and millions to invest, we don't have access to good financial advisors to help us. And that's why you need to take full advantage of your retirement plan, right? Because those are quali quality advisors that can help you. So does that make sense? 
I just really, uh, I want to let you know the harsh reality of the investment world out there. And if you do want to look for a good financial advisor, make sure you interview them thoroughly and interview a few of them. How am I doing on time? All right. <clears throat> invest in your skill sets. Not only invest in money, but invest in your skill set. All right, graduate school, vocational school, all kinds, right? Um, licenses, certifications. Learn on the job. That's free. Learn on the job, right? Um, Dad, when we first came back to the U.S. as missionaries back in 2003, Dad, was a corp Dad had a corporate banking background. He could easily go back to corporate banking and make d decent living. But he said, no, I am going to further my skill sets. I, huh? Retool, reinvent ourselves. So he went back to graduate school, uh, to Pepperdine. Um, we worked as a team. I worked. He went back to school. And he learned a bunch of new skill sets. He started working for a big four. And then he said, well, I want to learn the tough part of my job. I don't want to just do the easy thing. So he learned um, how to do valuation for PE, VC-backed companies that are the most difficult type of valuation. So he became an expert, and now he founded his own company. He created a, a software as a service platform, and he's able to advance himself. I went back to school while no excuse because I was a full-time working mother. I went back to school, and every night, I would go to midweek, I would go to Bible study, whatever I needed to do, and then I'd go back home, 9 p.m. to 11.30 p.m. for three years straight, I was studying. I call that my CFP cave. I was in my cave, I was studying. The board exam was extremely difficult. I, I somehow, after more than one try, passed it. And... Um, and I was able to elevate my career. I was able to move, transition from retail banking to commercial and private banking. And that really, really changed my career, completely changed it. And now I'm learning on the job. I, you know, when I first came to, the, to my job, I didn't know what ESOP lending was. And now I'm spearheading our ESOP platform. I didn't know mortgage warehousing, which is providing capital for mortgage banks. I didn't know what that was. And now I'm, you know, closing two transactions. So things like these are free. Take advantage of it. New skills. Make yourself sought after by employers. All right. And then there are some investment do's and don'ts, and you can read that because I want to move on to our um, action item. Take an inventory. Create your own financial statement in your package. Do you guys like Modern Family? I love Modern Family. So I use their names to create a financial statement. And um, so you can use it as a model guideline to create your own financial statement. Take your, basically, it's taking stock, right? Manage cash flow day to day. Have an upper hand on it. Don't let that drag you down, kind of like what Marco was saying, right? It should, be, should not be mastering you, but it should be serving you. Um, resolve any issues ASAP. Because those issues won't go away just because you ignore them. Um, the credit card, <laughs> the collectors, cre debt collectors, 
um, they won't give up, let's just say. Okay, um, take advantage of your employee benefits, retirement plan, call right away tomorrow or something. Just get it done. Take advantage of it. Check out annual financial planning day. That's the event that the mayor and the city of Los Angeles um, that I work with uh, on a pro bono basis that we organize annual financial planning days in your packet. So read about that. It's basically free financial planning advice by certified financial planner. And you can be with them one-on-one. -on -one. Now, all right, now I'm going to need my lovely assistant. All right. All right. Well, let's give uh, my beautiful wife a hand here. Um, when, it, when we first got married, uh, well, her job before that, too, was a marketing, um, she was a marketing person or, or expert. Um, she had no financial background whatsoever until we left the ministry, came back to America, and she herself learned all these things just through um, just patient, hard work, dedication, and learning on the job. So everything she tells you today is what she's already done for herself, right? Uh, so all of us, we can all do that. We can all pivot and, and change our career any time in, in our life. Uh, it just takes a little work, but if you're patient with it, you can get it done, right? Okay, so uh, we have several questions here. Ready? Okay, what, what we want you to do is raise your hand. The first person who raises his or her hand uh, gets the answer to the question. If you get it right... Okay, first question. Okay, name three reasons for having good credit. Question number two. Okay. Okay. Um, th there's a slide in there that says, you know, where do I begin? Okay. What is the core thing on that slide? Yes. Well, that's correct. Right there. That was good. Yeah. Ooh, five bucks. It's going, up. It's going to the. Oh. It's going to the C note. Uh oh. You guys ready? Are you guys ready for the next one? Okay. Are you guys ready? Okay. Here's the next. Question number three. What's the best way to allocate investment if you are not finance savvy? You can't know. Only <laughs> right there. Yeah. Is that is that good enough? Is it? Or. Okay. <laughs> uh, 
Okay, question four. Okay, name three advantages of employer-sponsored retirement plan. Yes. Matt? Uh, Don't look. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> One? Yes, that's right. Wow. I, I know there's like, you know, Matt is advanced, so he gets the May issue, the Journal of Financial Planning. <laughs> <laughs> now you got to read <laughs> Okay, question number five. Ready? This one is an easy one. Name three good debts and why they are good. Nice, good. more there's more oh. <laughs> all right okay. okay last question okay when is someone ready to get married financially ready to get married financially i think it's okay back. somebody that hasn't gone someone who's ready to get married right Finan yeah financially ready financially, to get married that's right right there What do you think, Dad? Is that good that, enough? That's right. That's, that's good. good. <laughs> All right. All right. That's it. Guys, let's, uh, you know, normally you don't come to church thinking you're going to get the, this kind of teaching, but uh, th this was outstanding. And, and even when I asked her to put together a topic, she says, I'm going to give them even more than they want so that they can be thinking and have more tools in their hand. Uh, they're going to be here for a little while afterwards. They have a little one, so they'll be leaving rather quickly, but uh, let's give a real warm uh, uh, gratitude for them coming tonight. We can stand up and give them a real warm singles appreciation. Yay! Thank you, guys. Uh, they'll be up here um, for a little while longer if you have any personal questions, but uh, thank you so much. And I think, can I just say one thing? Um, I think, I know a lot of you are not in the financial position to maybe these things apply, but that one thing that she said about learning on the job, uh, there, that's where the money was, that we can really better ourselves whether wherever we're working and take on more and do more and, you know, get more qualified. So have a great night. You've just listened to the Elevate podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit elevatecoastal.com.